0: Welcome to the Gardens Podcast. This message entitled, Misdirected Love, was given by Bill Dogterm, and is the fourth in our series of The Seven Deadly Sins. We are um, finishing up the last in the series of three sermons on the, on the seven deadly sins, the ways that uh, love gets uh, distorted, uh, and uh, how, because we are built to live in love, uh, life goes sideways when we don't do that well. Uh, we've talked about what happens, the first first week we talked about what happens when love gets perverted uh, and, and, and ends up showing up as pride uh, or as, um, as uh, anger or as envy. Last week we talked about what happens if we don't love ourselves or love others or love God enough uh, under the, the the sin, the cluster of behaviors that centers around uh, sloth. Um, and tonight, we want to talk about what happens when love gets targeted towards something that it should not be targeted towards, uh, when it gets, gets directed away from God and away from other people and even away from self and gets focused on things and becomes greed, or focused on appetites and becomes gluttony, or focuses on pleasure and becomes uh, lust. What happens to people, uh, what happens to us uh, when, when that occurs? This is, um, this is the um, season in the church of Lent that is an opportunity for us to kind of say, um, how can we prepare the way of the Lord? Uh, Palm Sunday today uh, is the day traditionally in which Jesus rode into Jerusalem uh, and was greeted by the crowd saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They had a, an expectation of what Jesus was going to do riding into Jerusalem uh, on, that, on that day. Um, and they were wrong. Uh, their expectation was disappointed. So much so that within five days, a majority of them were prepared simply out of their rage, anger, disappointment, and frustration to kill him. Uh, It does not take much to change a crowd's mentality from Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in in the name of the Lord, to crucify him, crucify him. When you disappoint enough people regularly, they will turn on you. That includes your staunchest supporters. So we ought not be surprised that Jesus didn't stay overnight in Jerusalem. He continually went out of the city. Um, And it is important for us to realize that that preparation uh, was as important as the kinds of things that we've been doing in this Lenten season, holding up the mirror and saying, "Is, is that what I really look like? Is that really what's going on? Is that where I'm going sideways? Is that... Where things are, are off track is that where 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 I've taken things for granted and now I'm I'm just kind of sabotaging myself and my relationships and and my self understanding and so we're gonna we're gonna uh, uh, talk about that uh, the difficulty with the ones that we'll talk about tonight greed gluttony and lust are they um, is uh, they're the ones that make the American economy work. Um, and I need you to just, you know, sit with me for this for a minute. What would happen if, if for just a year you didn't have to keep up with the Joneses? You didn't need a new um, style because it was a new style year. You, what, what, what would, what would, what would happen if, if we just trained ourselves sim- to simple adequate food? And we didn't, Darren told me about the, the coffee shop downtown. What was it? How much for a cup of coffee? $4.50 for a cup of coffee. What would, huh? What would happen if we just said, you know, I, I, I'm okay with water. Thanks. And this is hard for me because I'm a coffee snob. Right? I'll tell you how that works itself out in real life in a couple minutes. What would happen? What would happen if in relationships, what would happen to advertising if the 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 promise of success in uh, sexual conquest were removed from advertising? Would that take a few ads off the air? Uh, I, I'm not sure, but I, I think it might. So, and the problem with these three as well. I mean, it's fine to look back and you know talk about. You know, pride and envy and, and even sloth to some degree, and say, "Well, those are con- kind of conceptual things, but these are the ones that 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 warm us at night. These are the ones that we, we kind of hold close because our self-definition, the reason we misdirect love at things or at appetites or at pleasure, is because we are seeking to fill a deep, dark hole in us, a black hole of of, of longing. And, and we try to do it in those particular ways. Um, and so it's, it, it, when, when we talk about these things, we're really kind of getting right at the, at the heart of, uh, uh, at least for me. And, and again, like I've said each of the other, other times that we've talked about this, this is not me standing up here saying, you all, this, you know, and it, and it probably shouldn't be about you saying, boy, I wish so and so were here to hear this. It really probably should be all of us saying, my God, my Lord and my God, spirit of the living God, search my heart. Because I got to be honest, when Darren said, can you do next week? I thought, I really don't want to. I don't want to talk about this stuff because this is my stuff. This is my stuff. And so I'm going to invite you again to look in the mirror with me and let's just spend some time thinking about uh, what happens. And then in the words of of Jesus's cousin, John, let's prepare the way of the Lord. So that when we come to Easter Sunday, we recognize that it was this kind of stuff that kept him on the cross. That this is a big deal, that we should not make peace with our greed or our gluttony or our lust. We should not um, think that it's just a minor little tweak in personality or a minor little, little, little distortion. It's, it's a big deal. I don't know what the big deal is for you. That's why we need at the end of the day not to ask somebody else what they think, but to really ask the Spirit of God to search our hearts. So at the end, um, uh, we're going to take some time and I'm just going to invite you to kind of invite the Holy Spirit to kind of let your mind roll over what he draws attention to. What about this? Where have you gone? What about this? What about this? What about this? Not for the purpose of condemnation, that's none of our job, that's not ever what the Holy Spirit does, but for the purpose of conviction. And conviction is always about invitation. Conviction is not about shame, conviction is about hope. Uh, you can be and do uh, better and other. So that's, that's kind of where we're going. We'll start off with the same passage that we looked at last time, Romans chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. Uh, the very basic text that that reminds us everybody has sinned and they have fallen short of the glory of God. Please notice there is no exclusion, no exception to there. Can you go back there one more time? Sorry, I I, I, I tricked you there. Um, Sinned here, again, like we said, is to miss the mark, to miss what we were intended to live by, and the result of that is that we have fallen short of the glory of God. And I'm suggesting to you... That, um, that we, you, are the glory of God. Remember, you were created to be his image, and as his image, to exercise his authority in the world. And when we sin, we fall short of ourselves. It is ourselves that we sabotage. It is our essential self that goes sideways. And we fall short of our own self. We damage and destroy and limit ourselves, And that is the the falling short of the glory of God. But fortunately, God is at work. Go ahead in the next one. Having justified us freely by his grace through the redemption that we celebrate next Sunday morning that came by Jesus Christ. So God is at work. Grace is poured out. We invite grace into the middle of the mess. Please, please, please do not try and deal with what the Holy Spirit points out to you tonight on your own. You cannot do it. You will never become a less greedy people by counting to 10 or by living in a desert someplace or by denying yourself all of the creature comforts. You will never get there. You will never become a less gluttonous person by starving yourself. To death. You won't, you just won't, because that's not how you get there. The only way we get new life, the only way we resume the place, remember the mission of God from the beginning of Genesis chapter uh, 3, when we, when we chose that course and fell short of glory, God's mission has been to restore us to our rightful place, to our rightful position, to our rightful responsibility. He is the only one that can do that. So we always want, we always need, we always call on. We are always at the mercy of grace. And in fact, let me just say this one thing real quick here. The more mature you get, the more you develop in Christ, the um, the longer you serve him, the more grace you need. Grace is not needed most when you begin. Grace is needed most to get you home in time for dinner. So grace is not a... A, an option that gets us started, and now we kind of truck along on our own momentum. Grace is required at every stage, and more and more and more grace is required the more and more mature we become. That makes sense. So tonight we're going to start to talk about these uh, difficult sins because they are the engine of American culture, and uh, and 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 kind of kind of uh, takes take us uh, kind of by the scruff of the neck. The first one we talk about is greed. Uh, And the text for this one is Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Jesus is speaking. He said, beware, be on your guard against every form of greed. Jesus is aware that greed shows up in all kinds of ways and, and, and all kinds of definitions. And here's this last line. The reason is a man's life, a person's life, does not consist in who has the most toys when he dies. The guy who dies with the most toys is dead. Ooh, perfect timing, right? as his iPhone fell to the ground. <laughs> no, I love it. Sorry. sorry. It's, it's just great timing, man. <laughs> but anyway, just, just, you see what I'm saying here? It does not matter how, how many cars you have in, the, in, in your seven-car garage. It does not matter how deep the pool is. It does not matter how high the sauna goes. At the end of your life, you're dead. The value, the worth, the significance of a man's life, a person's life, does not depend on how many pairs of shoes she owns. It does not consist in that. Life is more than possession. Here's Paul's take on it from Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. You'll notice as he goes through this, go ahead. As, as we look at this text, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And we're going to talk about every single one of these things. Sexual immorality, impurity, and lust all travel together. Then evil desires and greed. And then notice greed, which is idolatry. Which is idolatry. What happens when we, when we take... Objects when we take things and put them in front of us and lift them up as the mark of our worship, is that we begin to shape our souls to be like what we worship. You, you catch me on that? That's why it's important for us in our worship to constantly be lifting up the, the risen Lord, the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, because then we become like Him. But if we put an object if we put a possession if we put an accomplishment if we put a position whether it's a, a presidency or or a position of influence or the starring role or the lead role if we make that the center of our life and make that the focus of our intent and attention we will soon find ourselves migrating in that direction and please notice what we have just done we have depersonalized ourselves we have fallen short of the glory of god We have lost our souls. What benefit is it, Jesus asked, if a person gains the whole world and loses him or her self, their soul? So those are the two verses that we're going to look at. Uh, What happens when love gets directed towards things? Here it is the defining of self and more particularly the valuing of self. I am worth something because of what I own, whether it's cars or houses or clothes or education or position or prestige or notoriety, whatever that tracks it. These things become the source of my identity, the source of my worth, the source of my security. Our our, our bumper sticker is I have, therefore I am. And this is, uh, in, in each case, of course, persons are diminished. Especially the person who is greedy because they become, like I said, what they worship, a thing, uh, a, 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 an object. And clearly this is not what God has in mind when he creates good things. Please notice with me, God has, is, is not at all bothered with you owning things and with you owning nice things. He doesn't, it's not a concern to him at all. In fact, there's a, one of the ten, actually a couple of the ten commandments that protect property rights right don 't steal don 't cover that 's about things that 's about property that 's about possessions. God has no problem at all with people owning things. He has a problem with things owning people with 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 the title deed to your life being wrapped up in the beamer or the Rolex right when when, when, when our sense of self is and and, and, and and by the way, it, please notice how much of a motivator this gets for, the, for, for our for our engine i 'm walking a couple of people uh, through uh, uh, law school and an, another couple through medical school right now and and they are in this highly competitive environment which they need to be uh, in, in those kinds of environments and The thing I have to keep reminding them over and over and over again in the law school they 're in, both of which are fairly prestigious. In um, the medical school that uh, that, uh, that he's in is, is, again, it's a highly sought out. He's kind of made the cut, almost won the lottery and gotten in the, into, the, into the... And, and they're, they're, I have to keep saying them over and over and over again. You are in law school. You are in medic- medical school differently than any of your classmates. You are there as a citizen of the kingdom of the heaven. Your value does not lie in passing the test, in learning tort reform well, in learning all of the, the, the structures of the human anatomy. You need to do that, you need to do that. But your value, your worth as a person does not depend on that. And if for a moment you buy the lie that your value, your worth even as a doctor or even as a lawyer depends on success as compared to you have bought and bit the, the apple. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't try hard. That doesn't mean we shouldn't work hard. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't be good stewards of the mind that God has given us. That is clearly, clearly important. But it does mean to say that if you let yourself get defined by those symbols, those structures, you will soon be crushed by them. The problem is with self-definition then by ownership and the lengths that we go to. Okay, the next one is gluttony. We'll pick up Paul's language to the church at Philippi. I'm going to come back on these here in a a couple of minutes, but I want to just kind of do a quick survey of the three of them, and then we'll talk about how they go sideways for us. Gluttony here. Um, Paul is writing the church at Philippi, and he says, Many walk, of whom I have told you often... Go ahead and put that up if you got it, please. And now tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ... Then the next one, their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is their shame. Why? Because they've set their mind on earthly things. Their God is their stomach, and therefore their glory is their shame. So gluttony is what happens when love Begins to tweak itself and focus on appetites, and primarily it's on food, and this works in a number of different ways. Uh, where usually, in, in when we hear the word gluttony, we hear about this these massive uh, quantities of food and consumption for the sake of consumption, uh, and and that is clearly an issue that we need to address. Frankly, I think we need to address it in in, in our in our in our nation where where our garbage disposals eat better than two-thirds of the world's population. We need, to, we need to deal with this. I don't know if any of you happened to watch TV last night and saw Jamie Oliver's uh, uh, um, attempts to, to turn around a school system, and I can't even remember where it was now. Uh, anybody know what I'm talking about? Is this illustration worth even pursuing? Yeah, thank you. So, so he, he was there trying to say, look, you're, you're eating yourself to death. Parents, you're, you, by, by, by what you're feeding your children in the quantities that you are feeding them, you are, you are sentencing them to a life of obesity and early death. Can we please just learn how to eat healthily? So this idea of gluttony is, 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 a, is a huge one in our culture. Uh, and it, and it's, but I've got to be honest with you, the, the, the real pernicious part of gluttony is not seen with the wheelbarrows at hometown buffet. The real problem with gluttony is the, the, the side that it takes with the development of an excessive pickiness with regards to food, where I can't be happy with what I eat unless it's you know, go to, the, go to the grocery store. If you do your prayer walk and you happen to walk past a Vons or something and you can take some time and just go in there, count how many bottled waters there are. How many varieties of bottled water are there? How many varieties of EVOO are there? I'm an aficionado of the Food Network. All right, Pictures of Rachel Ray hanging. and That's not true, but I thought I'd make that up. All right. Or or extra, uh, you, you know, the, the aged balsamic vinegar. How many varieties do we actually need? I had a friend who was a missionary in Guatemala and came back, uh, and his wife sent him to uh, the store to buy something uh, and when they got back. I can't remember what it was now. And he said he walked into the store and was paralyzed by choice. When you go to Guatemala to buy vinegar, you go to Guatemala to buy toothpaste, you go to Guatemala... To, and you go into the store and buy laundry detergent. It's fairly straightforward. You buy laundry detergent because that's what's there, right? But here you've got 18 varieties of one manufacturer's type. And 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 and, and it, what the, what this promotes for us is this awareness that I my satisfaction, whether it's of my appetite or what, depends on having exactly precisely my needs met in this particular way. And it ultimately reduces me to my appetite. It ultimately reduces me to the, to the uh, 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 satisfaction that comes from having exactly, precisely what I want. Now, please don't, 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 don't miss the point here. Again, God invented flavor. He invented food. How many know, know this? He invented food that tastes good. God knows how to barbecue. Any, anybody with me on there, if you read the Old Testament, you, you recognize God invented grilling. We're, we're, we're okay with that, right? He, he invented all five of the taste profiles, right? Including the new one that they just, what is it, umami? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Edamami. Is that what it is? Umami, edamami. I don't know what it is, but it's it's. I love that's my favorite one of the whole whole bunch. This morning we tried to do all you know four and then five, and I couldn't couldn't get it right. But anyway, it, he he knows he knows he and he's not at all bothered that when you bite into a fresh peach, you you oh, he he he, said, he 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 says thank you and and you're welcome. He knows he knows he knows how things take, and he's not bothered by that. What he's bothered by is when you can't be satisfied with less than perfection as you define it when it comes to food. Do, and and does, does that happen? And we'll talk a little bit about how this goes sideways here in, in a minute. The problem comes when we define ourselves by our appetites. The next one I want to talk about briefly is lust. And we've talked already about this in the Sermon on the Mount, so we're not going to spend a huge time on this. But Matthew 5.28, Jesus Um, is, is speaking. And he says, uh, everyone who looks on a woman to go ahead and put it up. Look, look, looks on a woman to lust for her. Please notice to lust for her, not and lusts for her, but with the purposeful intent of lusting. We'll talk about that in just a second has committed adultery with her already in his heart. The issue here, for Jesus is very aware of attraction. Jesus is very aware that you see somebody who attracts you or, or is attractive to you physically or personality-wise, or, personality wise or their, their appearance is somehow attractive. He's aware that there is a, a surge in attraction. He is also aware that you can control that. You don't have to act on that. His problem is not the attraction. His problem is the development of that attraction with the purpose of cultivating lust. That is, with the purpose of taking that desire that is natural and is, is, and is entirely appropriate, and instead of saying, all right, that, yes, he, he is an attractive person, she is a beautiful woman, that, look, you're, thank you, and move on. Instead of doing that, we take and narrow down and, and if you and if you and if you follow this out, particularly in the pernicious forms that it's taking in what I consider to be one of the most diabolical inventions in the history of humankind, the pornography industry on you know, on the internet fastest growing industry, billions of hits daily uh, and and it is a major source of of uh or a major um, uh, consumer and that's as the the word that we need to use of of women and children particularly who are kidnapped and sex trafficked for that purpose almost one estimate ranges uh, up to 75 to 80 percent of all internet pornography is made with slaves. So when you innocently click on a link, please notice that what you are doing, what we are doing, is supporting sex trafficking. I really don't care how many petitions you sign. I really don't care how many placards you carry. I really don't care how much money you send to stop it. When you click, you say, I'm in favor. The enemy knows that we are built with desires and knows how they can be used to take us sideways. Do you know that? Because if you don't know it, and he does, he is very happy to invite you to his shell game at the carnival every single time. Because, candidly, he doesn't need to invent any new sins for us. The same old ones, the same old temptations work time after time after time after time. And every single time we walk up to the booth and we say, I'm going to do it this time. And every single time, we crash and burn. He doesn't have to be inventive. He doesn't have to be creative. It is not in his capacity to be creative. we we, We will fall for the same shell game, the same card trick, the same thing time after time after time. So this is... Uh, Again, uh, again, uh, uh, this, this, this love that focuses instead of on persons, on pleasure, and what ends up happening is that we reduce the person to a collection of body parts. We have no interest in them as a whole being. We're just interested in parts of their body. Men's pornography tends to work on physical images. Women's pornography, which is on the increased, almost increasing twice as fast as men's now focuses primarily on fantasy. For women, it's mostly about emotional connectedness. For men, it's mostly about physical um, and technical pleasure. But it's just as deadly to the soul. We define ourselves by our appetites. We define ourselves by our pleasures. Now please notice, one more time, God is not opposed to pleasure. He is not opposed to sexual pleasure. There's a whole book of the Bible that is devoted to enhancing and increasing the sexual pleasure of a, of a couple in a, in a covenantal re, uh, relationship, man and wife, married, and, and celebrating the life that they have together. There's a whole book of the Bible. Did you know that a, thir- a, a single rabbi had to be 35 years of age before he could read the Song of Solomon? Does that tell you that it's not about Jesus in the church? But it's about a man and a wife in a romantic, erotic relationship that is entirely appropriate. God is not embarrassed, he is not ashamed, he does not turn his face aside when we enter fully into sexual pleasure. He he invented it, but he inv- he knows how powerful it is, and that's why he's created the parameters around which it needs to exist, otherwise it will come. If you take that one tiny component, not insignificant, But bottom line, in a marriage relationship, it's a fairly small component. If you take that small thing and move it to the center, it loses its capacity both for pleasure and for intimacy. If instead you leave it where it belongs and work on the other intimacies, social, intellectual, emotional, spiritual, and physical intimacy that is not sexual then sexual intimacy can be improving and increasing in its value and significance, and you'll have your best sexual relationship with your husband or wife on your 35th, 50th, 70th wedding anniversary. And I know you don't want to go there. (laughs) But Jesus wants you to go there. So he doesn't want you to blow yourselves up by defining yourselves with desires that then sideline your real capacity for pleasure. Do, 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 you with me on that? So, so let, let let's let's look at this. Um, the problem again is when we reduce persons to objects, and and reduce ourselves to a collection of appetites. So, in each of these cases, um, and I'm going to now just walk through these three one more time because I want you to see what happens, how they work, the principal part of each of these three temptations is not in the acquiring. It, it sounds strange to say this, but greed is not satisfied when it gets. Gluttony is not satisfied when it eats. Lust is not satisfied when it experiences that physical pleasure, except for a moment, and then instantly the quest begins again. It's not primarily about the satisfaction per se. It's about the conquest. It's about the planning. It's about the strategizing. It's not that, that, that the greedy person doesn't enjoy for a moment the pleasure he, he has by sitting behind the wheel of that new car. It, 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 it's just that as soon as he drives it off the lot, if greed is really what's going on, he's already starting to plot the next car. You see, it's that it's that it's that when when you sit down finally at that meal that you have treasured, right, yeah, and and planned for, and, and and so on and so forth, and you and, and you enjoy that meal, it is it is, is within seconds you begin to do the, the, the iron chef. You begin to do the evaluation. You begin to do the critique. You begin to compare. Oh, well, that was a wonderful Caesar salad, you know, but at the end of the day, it wasn't quite as vinegary as the first one that we had. You know that lemon, the anchovies in there? Just so perfect, that first one, right? And this one, probably eight, eight and a half. What have you done? You've taken perfectly good romaine lettuce and run it through the grid of your appetites and lost the pleasure that comes from good food, well-prepared, and enjoyed in the company of friends. Does that happen with amazing regularity? So the first thing that we need to understand is that these issues are not just about acquisition, not just about possession, not just about having. It's really about conquest. It's really about the definition by longing we have we have taken legitimate hungers that, are, that we are built with and reduced them to nothing but insatiable appetites. Please notice, too, how each of these in, disables real contentment with anything because we want more. So greed is not content to have, it wants more and other. Uh, it, it, I don't know if any of you have had the chance to go up to San Simeon and see Hearst Castle. One of my favorite stories that illustrates the point that I'm trying to make here. It's a fascinating place. I just, I, I, I'm i just fascinated by the place and some ino- beautiful architecture and art and so on and so forth. But um, it, this, this story comes out of, uh, I think it was late uh, in the 30s, early 40s, somewhere in there, uh, William Randolph Hearst, who... Was the newspaper magnate who who um, built Hearst Castle uh, uh, in his research came across a set of of silver uh, uh, cutlery that he 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 decided he must have it was kind of a one of a thing it was it was antiqued and and it was uh, very costly and so he sent his ambassadors his emissaries to search the world for this rare set of silver that he had to have, no expense was to be spared, and his emissaries came back and said, we have located this silver which you must have, you already own it, it has been in storage for five years, it's not about having, it's about the pursuit of having. think all you need to do is look and see how that same principle plays out in gluttony. The same principle plays out in lust. When you reduce, for example, sexual pleasure to nothing but sexual pleasure, it soon becomes about neither. It becomes performance. I've had the privilege, the opportunity of talking to men and women who have come out of the porn industry. And you need to know, it's not pretty, and it's not sexual, and it's not pleasurable. It's performance. It's technical. It's death-dealing. Now, why do we keep talking about this? Well, because this is why, how we keep blowing ourselves up. This is how we keep taking ourselves sideways. Greed notice also what happens to relationships in this how we connect ourselves to people for example in greed based on how how we evaluate people based on the car they drive based on the on the suit they wear based on their their appearance we love appearances and having exactly the right suit Or the right car or the right house in the right neighborhood or the right job with the right title and the right key to the executive restroom now i've arrived now i am somebody i have therefore i am and i gotta tell you and you you already know this at the center of your heart but it's a sham it's a sham when judy and i first moved down here in 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 1979 Uh, we, we, uh, from Canada, we were told by some friends, you got to go down to the garment district, downtown LA, it's a fascinating place, and so we went down there three or four times, it's fascinating, people are just, I mean, clothes, racks of clothes up and down the street, and warehouses full of clothes, and all of this kind of stuff, and I needed a suit, so uh, we, yeah, we used to wear, wear suits there in the last century, anyway, so, so we were, we were there, and, and walked into this place. And it was a uh, you know busy place, and, and found the suit and it looked good, r- relatively so on me, as good as any suit could have have looked at the time. And 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 so we're we're ready to do the the deal, you know. And and it's just it's fun down there. It's just uh, how much how much do you want for the suit? And he said, it depends. What when what, when what you mean it depends? Well, it depends what label you want in it. What what do you what do you mean? Yeah yeah. Uh, the the baseline s- price of the suit is, is $150 um, it, but if you want calvin klein labels sewn into the that'll probably run you closer to 2 2 and a quarter well, <laughs> you know I, i'm canadian I, I don't i don't i don't i don't get this <laughs> so the, the 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 material the cloth the tailoring will be identical and that's $150. Can I just buy that? No. You have to buy it with a label. I just want to know which label you want. And I, well, what are the options? So, well, we, we did the Calvin Klein. And sensing, perhaps, that he was about ready to land a big one, <clears throat> well, he gave me, and I can't even pronounce it, it was kind of an Italian designer. He said, no, I could put this one in. I could put this label in. Now, that's going to run you three, just, maybe just north of three. And I, 150 for the for the whole thing. I mean, you know, wool and this little piece of material is by itself 150 more dollars? Well, yeah. Cuz appearance is everything. I I didn't I didn't buy the suit. But I wonder how many other things I've bought for appearance, paid premium for, just so I could say. Now, again, no problem with buying quality. Jesus has no problem. You'll notice at the crucifixion, they were casting lots over a seamless robe. They didn't come cheap. That's not the issue. The issue is the defining of self, the defining of others. Do you make snap decisions about people based on what they look like, what they're wearing, what they're driving? Do you, do you see? Or, 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 or gluttony turns into this, I'm a coffee snob. I already told you that. I, it's so bad that I roast my own coffee. I have a micro roaster. Anybody wants to come and We should form a club of of coffee roasters at the garden, I think, right? But anyway, I have a little micro tabletop roaster. I take it out because Judy won't let me roast in the house because it stinks up the house for like four days or something, so I'm out in the patio and, and it's, it's roasting and, and the neighbors are ready to call the police because there's smoke as the, as the roast goes on and, and, and stuff like that. And, 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 and he, I, I, you know, I'd, I'd like to tell you, I'd love to be able to tell you that the reason I do that, and part of the reason I do it is the fact that I can get green beans at about half the price that you will pay for regular roasted beans at Starbucks or Pete's or Keene or whatever. Right? Uh, yeah, but, but the truth is that's not really the bottom line the really the bottom line is that I love the flavor of my own Custom-roasted micro brewed coffee in my French press. I just love that I just I just now what this ends up meaning is that I won't go for coffee with you at Denny's Just saying Now do, do you see how gluttony works? It's not about you. It's not about our conversation. It's not about our friendship. It's not about caring for one another. I just can't, I just can't, I can't be physically present at Denny's. I'm just... Does that happen? Boy. Boy. That, by the way, is a true example that the Spirit convicted me of as I was working on this week. And I just know he's going to make me go to Denny's with somebody this week. I just know it. Right? See, the problem with lust is that it disables real relationship with a real person because we've turned them into an object. And we have no real interest in who they are as person. In fact, the less we know about them as person the less complicated our pleasure becomes. But here's what ends up happening. There is this law of diminishing returns. Pleasure is intended to be within the context of a whole framework of intimacy in a covenantal relationship between a husband and a wife. That's what it's intended for. If you take it out of that context, you disable the pleasure over time. And you disable the ability to have real pleasure in a real relationship with the real person who is as flawed as you are. You see what happens? In fact, if if pornography has been part of of a person's life prior to marriage, within six months it's likely to be back. Because married sexuality is very hard work and it's very difficult and it's not at all like what it's purported to be in media presentations and 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 it reduces persons to parts so notice again these are not about satisfaction but about longing how do we push back against these things how do we how do we how do we how do we say this 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 because what we're trying to do is take this black hole of longing right and fill it up with stuff and remember we said, this is love that gets misdirected. Well, the way to push back on this is to sit deeply in the deep, rich love of Jesus for you and get that into your mind, get that into your heart. Understand that you are his beloved, that he loves you, that he is, is, is pleased with you, that he longs to embrace you, that he stands up with a tear in his eye when you come in the room. He is setting his love on you. That is the most effective way to start to push back against these kinds of things. And notice what the enemy does when we give in to greed, when we give in and are finally convicted of our gluttony, and particularly in this culture, when we go sideways and we make a mistake and lust gets the better part of us. Please notice it's hardly ever about sex. It's almost always about longing. And when we go that way, what happens? We get ashamed... And we withdraw from the presence of the one who loves us, even though. Do you, do you see what happens? That's, that's the real shell game that the enemy's playing. It's, he's not content to just distract us from relationships with real people. He wants us to be ashamed to come into the presence of the King of kings and Lord of lords, who will in no wise cast you out. Why? Because he loves you. He's not embarrassed by your mistakes. He's not ashamed of you. He's not, he's not disabled in his friendship and his embrace of you because you messed up. Oh, thank God he's not. So we begin to push back against these things with worship and soaking deeply in the love of God. We, we want to pay attention with thanksgiving to the things that he has brought us, and in the job that we have, and the vehicle that we can drive, we realize that we we are, are are better off than most of the world's population. So we give thanks for for the things that God has blessed us with. Right? We give thanks for the food that is on the table before, even if even if it's the third bowl of top ramen we've had this week. You're still eating better than almost two thirds of the nations. Give thanks give thanks. It's a way to push back against self-definition by gluttony. Train yourself. Maybe you can use Lent to set aside some things that you're convinced that one of the things that I give up regularly for uh, Lent or for other seasons is my coffee. I want to make sure that I can, I'm okay without it. You, You with me? Maybe not with that one. Okay, fine. But anyway, we push back against lust again by by soaking in and giving thanks to God for the gift that He has given us in our body. Because notice, lust does the same thing to yourself that it does to the other person. It reduces you to a body part. Now, hopefully, what has happened in the course of these last three weeks, you have come to the awareness as I. Have myself that we need a savior that if these are the things that we 're regularly tripping up on i can 't save myself, I need somebody to come and help me. I need grace Today is Palm Sunday, like we mentioned before, and I want you to notice that the, we, we we serve a king, we celebrate a king not not who came 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 uh, 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 mounted on a A chariot and on a great white horse, flaming sword in hand. We don't, he didn't come like that. He came on a donkey. He came on a colt. He came humble. He came broken. He came to enter into. So whatever, whatever level your shame or sin, whatever place you have been pressed down by the things that you have done, he came underneath that so that he could lift you up. He doesn't stand shaming you, finger-pointed. He comes embracing you, underneath you, picking you up in his arms. He who knew no sin, Paul says, became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. So as we come to conclusion uh, tonight, I, I just want you to invite the Holy Spirit to search your heart. There's places to pray around here, crosses, places of communion. Uh, Maybe you're sitting beside somebody and you'd like to ask them to pray with you or go with you to the places of prayer. Um, What we're after here, very simply, is just to, again, let, let the Holy Spirit kind of take you by the hand and lead you. Here's a place, here's a place, here's a place. Not for the purpose of condemnation and shame, but for the purpose of conviction, the receiving of forgiveness, and the walking in repentance. All right? Let's pray together, shall we please? Oh God, please, we ask you to flood us now with your love, to reorient the compass of our lives to true north, to recalibrate our hearts to the love of God for us, to loving ourselves well, to loving our neighbor well, instead of things, and appetites, and pleasures. Oh Lord, please help us, help us to lean back on the Savior who has come to us and seeks to lift us up, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear other messages from The Garden, or would like to find out more about The Garden Church, such as our Easter service being held on April the 4th, 2010, please visit us on the web Come at thegardenlb.org.